Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. Heads up, this episode is a banger. I'm joined by Molly Hellman, who's the Global Head of Innovation Programs at Atlassian and she drops non-stop gold. We recorded this episode straight from the Atlassi van, which is this big, giant RV. And Molly and I sat over the little table in the camper van and recorded it, and we just had the best conversation. She's had this epic career journey and had some big changes over her career, and she really shares honestly about her own career learnings. But then we also talk about Atlassian's approach to remote teams. They call it Team Anywhere, and they believe that you can work well where you are and there's so much to learn from them around how do you work well remotely and why you don't need to be in an office to be productive they're really leading the way in this space and so I just as someone who loves working remotely obsessed with every part of this conversation the learnings around not just working well but how do you build team how do you connect people when you work from anywhere there's just so much to love and so much learning and gold in here so you're gonna love it also M's on her own kind of tour around Australia. She's in another camper, not the Atlassi van in her own, having a holiday. So she's not on this episode, but I'm sure she's living it up in South Australia right now where she's traveling. Also, one more thing for me before we get into it. If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend and I'd love, 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 love if you can rate and review. All right, thanks. Let's do it. Hi, Molly. Hello. Good to see you. Okay. So, Molly, we just need to give a little bit of our uh, context for our listeners. For sure. We are sitting in a van, in like a really cool kind of decked out van, and Atlassian is on tour with this amazing van. Tell me about what you're doing. Yeah. To be clear, like we're in a camper van, not just a regular van. There's a bed behind me. You have a steering wheel behind you. I I do. And this thing has a skin that has Atlassian, Atlassi van on it. Um, Yeah. We are going to nine different cities across Australia because we have 1,032 people to hire in the next year. And we know that there is amazing talent across Australia. And we want to find that talent and we want them to work at, at, uh, at Atlassian. I love it. The Atlassie van. And when I saw this uh, get announced that you guys were doing this big tour around Australia, I'm like, how do we get to chat to you about it? And about the over 1,000 roles that you're looking to fill in the next year. And also then I saw when I looked at the tour that you were coming to Newcastle, which is my hometown as a newy local and I thought, I'm going to make this happen. We're going to have a conversation. So it's, here we are. Here we are. In a van. <laughs> we totally are. And it's very humid. Newcastle has not put it on for you today. It's raining and I'm like legit sweating. But here we're going to make it happen. 
I, I, I hear you. I may drop the microphone as it goes through my sweaty palms, but I will say I got out early this morning before it started raining and ran across or along the water around the, I would call it a boardwalk. I don't know what you would call it Yay. down to the lighthouse. And beautiful. it was beautiful. There were people rowing. There were people jogging. I felt very, I felt like I should do another couple of kilometers just to be fit enough to be here. The New, Newcastle wakes up at like six in the morning. It's like prime time here. And so it's, if you go out in other places in Australia, you know, you go out to a cafe, it won't be busy at like 6.30, but in Newey, it's just nuts because everyone's morning people, they get up, they go to the beach. It's, it's the best. People were, I mean, I was being passed by a guy pushing two kids in his pram, old ladies. I'm like, good for you, ladies. Go. Yeah. So we want to talk about this idea of working from anywhere. And you've got this, I, I suppose, is it like a slogan? I'm not sure. Team anywhere. Tell us about it. You got it. Uh, it's, it is called Team Anywhere. You nailed it. Um, so it's something that we actually thought about during the pandemic, right? So as you probably remember, you know, two, two and a half years ago, the world changed dramatically. And what at Lassian did is we kind of looked at what, what are our practices? What are our policies? How are we working? And what needs to change? Just because we used to do it doesn't mean we have to do it that way moving forward. And the big thing that we saw is that when people moved remote, it was working for a lot of people. People moved to locations that worked for their family. They went and lived near parents who needed help. They wanted to be near a beach. And they're like, I want to surf every morning. And they went and they did that. And so we're like, why, why can't we change that? Why shouldn't we change that? Why shouldn't we look at that? And so we created this um, thing, this program, this policy called Team Anywhere. And essentially what that is, is distributed work. It's our distributed work policy. And it means that people can work from anywhere. Um, that they're legally allowed to, um, yeah. but they can work little, from anywhere. A little caveat there. And it doesn't matter if you are in, you know, this van. We could take this van around the country or you could be in Newcastle or Perth. You name the place and you can be working from there. And what's so cool about it is that it is this, not only the ability to work anywhere, but we're asking Atlassians to be a part of designing how we work in the future. And we believe, because we make software products for teams, uh, that we want to get ahead of that. We want to experience what is it like to work remotely, because teams are moving in that direction. And if we run into the hurdles, if we figure out the things that are wrong, then we can build better products, help teams out, and kind of be a, a pay-it-forward thing. So it's really exciting all the way across the board. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to hear. And for me personally, when COVID hit and we all worked from home, I had worked full-time for, you know, 10 years in an office environment. And like most people, we had this sudden shock of, wow, here we are, we're working from home, we're all trying to figure it out at the same time. And I couldn't imagine now ever having to go back to the office. Like, I just don't like working from an office. Mm -hmm. I love the flexibility of working whenever, however. And I love those moments where you still get to connect with people in real life, like we are right now. It's amazing. I love that in-person connection. But I, I think for many of our listeners, Molly, they will be in this zone right now, potentially with their employer, where their employer is asking them to come back to the office mm -hmm. and starting to stipulate rules around it. So like I've heard a lot of, well, everyone needs to be back in 60% of the week or everyone needs to do these certain days. And for me, I, I find that a challenge because I think, well, we've just worked for two years completely fle flexibly. So how do we then go back to where we've just come from. I thought we all moved on and, and worked out that we can do this. What would you say for people who are in that space of trying to navigate with their employer? How do they have the flexibility that they need to do their job? Yeah, I think it's a really tough one for people because you have a job and you likely want to keep the job or you need to need the financial income or you like the intellectual challenge of it. And 
you know, there's two parts of it, right? Like one is you have that conversation with your employer and you talk about your ways of working. You know, what are the things that you are doing that are successful? What are the, what are the roles and responsibilities that they have? And how can you fulfill those from a remote setting or with a different uh, pathway? I know that for some companies, maybe there's a tax incentive or there's a reason that they need people in the office. But I think understanding the data, understanding the rationale behind it will help people make a better decision for themselves. Um, the other thing I would say is just come work at Atlassian. Yeah. Like, just come on over <laughs> because you can work at home. We have offices. If you want to go into the office one day because you want to go into Sydney and be there, great. Come on in, have a coffee, have some lunch, meet with some people, maybe do some work, maybe not. Uh, but that is there. It's available. And that's kind of the cool thing about the way that we're doing it. We're not saying everyone's remote. You're not going to see anyone. And we're not saying everyone has to be in the office. It is truly your choice. And that's really cool. I love the word choice. I think historically in employment in our careers, the choice has often felt like it's with with your boss or with the employer. And that's really flipped over the last couple of years where it's more of a healthy relationship where there's choice on both sides. And that's where I think it should be. Like it's give and take. And, mm-hmm. and how do we have that sense of, of choice about how we want to work and also that decision-making between both parties. Can I ask you at Atlassian, because we're not saying this whole thing of work wherever and work and team anywhere is easy. What are the, some of the challenges that you've had to overcome with having people work flexibly? Yeah. And, and to be very clear, like we have not figured it all out. We are very much a learn as we go, learn with our employees, like hear what they're saying. We have 14 people in Newcastle here who are telling us how they work best and we'll learn from that. Um, but some of the some of the challenges that we have run up against is, you know, you mentioned it, like people want to socialize. They want to have the company of others and maybe they don't want they don't need to be there to actually do the work. And that was one of the things that we said very early on uh, in this effort is that we don't want to have to get together to do strategy, to make decisions because we want to move fast. But we do want to get together to socialize, to know our teammates better, to be able to work better with them. And so that's something that we've been um, noodling through and trying some different experiments. We have something called uh, intentional togetherness, which is where teams come together. We're actually planning our offices and revamping our offices to create the spaces where teams can gather and and really connect. Um, So that's one piece that I think everyone's trying to figure out is what is that social-ness need to look like. Um, I think another piece is if you look at you know, time zones. We have, there's 24 time zones in the world. We have Atlassians in 23 of those 24. The, wow. The only one we don't have is right in the middle of the Atlantic uh, because there's no, no land yeah, there. Right. <laughs> but maybe if someone goes on a, on a boat, yeah. I just talked to a woman that is is doing a, like a, going on a boat for a year and you're like, oh, all right, well, maybe, maybe yeah, we get, you maybe might we get her. 24. Exactly. Pay her to do that. And then we could say <laughs> that better sound bite. But people are working in different time zones. And so how do you manage that? What do team structures need to look like to accommodate that? Because we don't, we want people to work together. And so how many hours of overlap do you need as a team synchronously? Um, and then related to that, what are the tools that we need to either have, build, buy, whatever that looks like to be able to work asynchronously? And so I think those are two of the big things that we are trying to to move quickly on because they will only allow us to be um, more powerful, like, reach our goals, do all the things that we want to do. For anyone who's listening that goes, what are the sort of things you need to physically get together for? What do, what do you do in those times where, you, where you're either meeting kind of in person or you're doing that asynchronous work? Yeah. So um, I, I'm, if you can tell from my accent, I'm from San Francisco. Uh, but I was over here this week for two reasons. One, uh, I was part of the original team that, that was part of designing the team anywhere. And so I'm so excited to see this 
like l- actually living, like some of the things that we talked about, whereas a, a woman, I met a woman um, and she has been out of, out of uh, working for the last she said eight or 10 years. And she had two kids. I met one of the kids. She came and she's like, I'm really interested in getting back into work. Like, how does that look? And I remember when we were designing this, that was one of the use cases that we said, like, we want to find that mother who was amazing at her work, left it because she had other things that she wanted to do and wants to get back. So that's been really fun um, to see that happen. But when we think about getting people together, so I was, it's a long segue um, to get to that. But when I think about actually getting people together, I got together with my team and we um, did a scavenger hunt around the CBD. And (laughs) it was just as telling as getting together in a, in a meeting to decide something around the direction of our our group. I know you like icebreakers. So it's just like a massive icebreaker and we split up into three teams and I am very much, um, like I, I like to win. So, so you're super competitive. So, so I had the chat with my team at the beginning. Guys, are we in this for the win or are we just trying to have fun? Because it's going to be two different paths here. Like in between clues, we're going to either get a drink or we're going to run. Like one of the two, but not in between. Yes. And I had the competitive team. And so by the end of this two hours, we were in a full sweat. We turned up to the bar at the end because the end point was a bar as it should be. Yes. Um, and we turned up and the other teams were like casual. They were a couple of drinks in. We Full sweat, like T-shirts <laughs> having to dry out. Um, and so that opportunity to learn about all those people on my team and how they react in moments of like that and how silly they're willing to be. Those are great moments to get together intentionally and to, to think about, you know, how, because when, then when I go back to work with them, I know I'm like, oh, you're willing to be goofy and re- reenact the scene from Titanic. where like, I'm the king of the world. And we had two guys on our team doing that. If you so were to look good. at them on a Zoom screen in their little box, you wouldn't be, oh, I don't think they're going to, I don't think anyone wants to be Leo or Kate. Uh, but they did it. Um, and so... I think those types of things, those moments of understanding people are really what we gain from that intentional togetherness. Uh, I love that so much. And I, I'm i just envisioning you all running around, like literally sprinting around uh, Sydney. Uh, did you win? Yeah, by 2,000 points. <laughs> there, the guy was announcing the winners and he gave third place. They got like a wooden spoon. And then he said in second place, who was beat by 2,000 points by the first one. Like, yes. Yes, crushed it. Um, yeah, if you're going to go... Go, go hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and we'll get a bit more to your career in a moment because I know that we'll dig into some of that further, which our listeners are going to really love. I am really interested in this whole thing of how do you build healthy relationships remotely? How do you build that sense of team where you may work somewhere for one year before you actually get the opportunity to do the scavenger hunt in mm-hmm. Sydney. So what would that look like for you of how do you build those um, deep personal relationships with your team while you're working from wherever? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great question. I actually met with people who I hired 18 months ago and I had not actually seen them physically. Uh, a woman who was in New Zealand and then, uh, you know, a guy that is in France and just everyone was here together. And so definitely had not uh, had not met them. Um, I think the the biggest thing is to be intentional about it, to to say and admit that that's an important piece for you. Because if it's not important, it's going to be apparent. If you're fake about it, if you're sort of like, oh, tell me about yourself. Okay, on to business. Um, people know. People are smart. Um, and I think especially because we are pretty savvy with Zoom at this point, you can tell when someone's typing another note or looking at their phone. And so decide for yourself. That's maybe step one is decide for yourself that it is an important thing, that you want to get to know your teammates. Uh, whether it's because you genuinely want to know them or because we know that it will 
build better business outcomes uh, because then people work better together, all the, all the studies. Um, so that's one. I would say decide that that's important. And then two, make time for it. Like actively choose to make time for it. Uh, so there's a couple ways to get at that just to give a concrete example. So um, in some cases, I have very specific types of meetings with my team members. I'll have a, maybe there's a weekly one-on-one or fortnightly one-on-one that we, we sort of talk about business, we talk about what's happening. Um, there may be another one where I have a growth conversation. So I have a quarterly growth conversation where we chart out a bigger amount of time, they do some pre-thinking, I do some commenting, and then we have that conversation. And then we have other ones that are just catch-ups, just how are you, like, let's both come to this with a coffee or a beer and have that catch-up. So I think you can plan that if you're a planner. If you're not, um, most of the time, I'm, I'm less of that planful, the growth conversation I have. But start off and say, like, how are you doing? Like, where are you at? Um, if you're in a big meeting on a scale of 1 to 10, where's everyone at? And then take that, take that moment and roll with it. And there may be times I was in a meeting the other day and um, we went around the horn of where everyone was at. And it was crazy. It was people who um, were like, there was someone that had a breast cancer in the family. There was someone who had a death. There was someone who had uh, just just moved. Like all these things that were so deep and, you know, kudos to them for sharing. Uh, But we ended up spending the full hour and a half on that and sharing with each other. And we got to zero business. And that was so worth it for me. And then the notes that I got back afterwards saying I really needed that. And so I think recognizing that that is an important piece of it. And that models to people that you can have the depth of relationship without being in person. Oh, for sure. For sure. If someone's willing to share those three things, and that's just three out of, I think there were six of us, that is impressive because, you know, you don't just share that with everyone. Yeah. So for any leaders who are listening who are maybe feeling like they want to have their people back in the office, take a moment because you can hear in this conversation that you absolutely can be effective and build relationships without being in person. But I love what you're saying, Molly, about when we are together physically, we make that time really, really valuable for people and it's really intentional. Yeah, for sure. I think having a purpose, right? What is the purpose of that moment? Whether it's the icebreaker, whether it's we're spending three hours together or we're spending a week. And everyone, it's really good for you to know up front, we bonded, Molly and I, over our shared love of icebreakers. True story. True (laughs) story. Can you tell me, what is your all-time favorite icebreaker? We didn't talk about that. We bonded over one (laughs) particular one, um, which I will say, like, you have in your backpack. So this is worth saying that uh, she has... In her backpack, uh, and to be fair, like I almost thought of bringing it with me from the States just in case I needed it, but spaghetti, marshmallows, and tape. This is the icebreaker. You put break people up into a team, and they have to build the highest structure possible, and it is pretty funny because I I work in uh, engineering, and if you get a bunch of engineers together, like who plans it? What's the structure? Do they build this like buckyball at the bottom to support this this high thing and half the half the teams never even get to building it because they've planned so much about it um but it's really funny and super telling uh so i think that's a great one to share it is and it's really amazing the researcher because the like the fact that there's research around these icebreakers is awesome in and of itself but the research around it was that kids a uh, kindergarten kids are the best at it because they don't overthink it and they, they, once they work out something's failed, they fix it and end up designing this really tall structure compared to the adults or maybe the engineers who are uh, over-engineering it. Yeah, my kindergartner wouldn't have been successful. He would have eaten every single marshmallow and then been stuck with some <laughs> pasta and tape. Some dried pasta. But nobody wants... Nobody but everyone would have been happy. Yeah, so well, that's right. <laughs> hey. 
Thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I want to move now because you've got an amazing career story and I'd love to kind of dig in and hear a bit more about you and and where you've kind of come from and ended up at Atlassian. So tell me a bit about your career. Sure. Um, So right now I'm at Atlassian. I work as part of the uh, engineering leadership team, which is an amazing group of leaders. Uh, We have put together people from all different backgrounds and sectors and the amount of sharing in there is um, an honesty and drive to make us better is phenomenal. And I think what I, you know, when I think about that team, because I've now been at Atlassian almost 10 years, but when I think of that particular team or all the teams I've had at Atlassian, it kind of resonates through my whole career in that I love teams that are curious, that challenge each other, that want to be successful, whatever success equals, and um, and drive towards that together. And so um, I guess career-wise, I started off in the water industry and electricity and trying to work with pecan growers and um, water parks and say like, how can we hedge your water? So a very uh, finance driven background. I had the opportunity to move over to London. I was playing professional soccer at the time. So I moved from the US based team to Chelsea Ladies. And I was working with Chelsea Ladies or playing for Chelsea Ladies. And then at the same time working in the metals industry. Wow. And the metals industry is super interesting because it's all men or at the time it was all men and it's very structured. And, you know, in walks this woman who, you know, has some street cred by playing for Chelsea Ladies. It's a name that's known there. And they just had no idea what to do with me. But what it allowed me to do is to bring people together in a different way than they had been brought together before. And we ultimately, as a team, created uh, steel as a commodity. Wow. um, Which was you know, it wasn't done. If you think about creating a commodity, it's a pretty fun exercise. Um, but at the time, I was like, man, I really like playing sport. I like being in business. I was doing a lot of work with Girl Guides, with Girl Scouts. I don't know um, if you have that here. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing that work. I was like, there's got to be a way to combine all this. It doesn't mean working for Nike or, you know, some sports marketing firm. And so I went to business school and I used that as a springboard to go and work in the nonprofit sector. And I did that for about 10 years, working with sports, uh, leadership, uh, youth, and kind of put it all together at one point, working for an organization on the west side of Chicago. And we did soccer and hip hop poetry. And it's all about self-expression. You'd love it. Um, I, I feel yeah. like my eyes have lit up. So yeah. hip hop poetry. Well, if you think, think about hip hop, you could say like poetry, but hip hop, we're on the west side of Chicago. Um, and two different neighborhoods literally split by one street on one half uh, African-American, on the other half Puerto Rican, like Chicago has very specific 
neighborhoods, Puerto Rican. And yet this self-expression through word was a way to unite people. And if you think about sport, self-expression through sport and how you move on a field or court or pool, whatever, like there is some interesting ways that you can move and be. And so how do we get kids to express themselves? How does that happen? So I did that for a couple of years. Um, I ended up coming out uh, to San Francisco and worked for foundations, um, like doing consultancy for them, looking, this was during Ebola and big data and saying, wow. how, do, how do we, the question that they, they had is like, how do we as a team think about helping to address this worldwide crisis? And they needed to come up with, long story short, we came up with a way like you have to actually record the data and the geography in a similar way so you can spot the hotspots. You can't all be bespoke about that. So we got them all to do that. So if you think of the big names like Gates, Hewlett, Packard, Kellogg, big names who don't have to ask for money, we got them to do that. And then I was like, you know what? I've I've learned a lot of interesting things and I've been a part of interesting teams. Let me go see how this can roll with, with, um, you know, in in a corporate setting. And I looked really hard. And I found Atlassian. And at that point, we were about 300 people. And we still had our values. And the values are what pulled me in. Our, I don't know if you're familiar with I our am, values. Yeah. Okay. For our listeners who don't know, can you tell us what they are? Yeah. Uh, so we have don't fuck the customer, open company, no bullshit, play as a team, uh, be the change you seek, and build with heart and balance. Awesome. So those values drew you in? Yes, because I had been at companies where it said respect, integrity, and they're oh. on a wall. And you're like, what does that mean? Well, Enron had integrity in their uh, culture. And for any of our Gen Z listeners, Google Enron because it's a long time ago. Yeah. I, I mean, you know I worked there. Um, oh, did you? I did. Wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can we do a part two and just <laughs> dig into all that? I love – yeah, we can do <laughs> uh, because I'm enjoying this a lot. But um, I loved it. Like I, I – listeners, go – make your own opinions. Um, but as a new college grad, like this opportunity to, you know, go out there, explore things, take risks, like um, this empowerment was incredible. Um, and, you know, I lost a ton of money, but it was like, it was a well worth it expense. Yeah. Um, wow. This is a whole So crazy story. that you pulled up Enron out of oh, your brain. Are yeah. You sure? Well, they, I, I just remember they have integrity in their values and it was right on the wall. You'd walk in and it's like integrity, respect. And there was a third one I forget. Communication, e- excellence. This is shocking that you know this. But then again, this was many years ago. For uh, me. HR for you. people, uh, we had to study Enron in uh, my, MV, uh, my master's. So. There you go. Yeah. So those are, you're like, what do you, like, A, are we following that? But yeah. B, like, is that, um, you know, how do we live those? And what I like about our values is that they allow you to make a decision. And even if you look at the team anywhere things and our COVID response, all of that, like we use those values to make a decision. So, for example, should we allow people to allow, you know, at the time to work from wherever or do we really want them to come into an office? Well, let's think about that. How do we play as a team? Like how, what do our te- what are our teammates asking for? Um, we made we talked about it. We had an, we had a blog. We share regularly our blogs and people commented on it. You know, if you think about opening up. We're thinking about making this decision. 5,000 people, what are your comments? Um, but that's how it worked. And so that's an open company, no BS. And when you have these great values and that allow you to make decisions, then it, it's it's a really powerful tool. And so that brought me into Atlassian and here I am. So you would have started in the early days. How, how long have you been at Atlassian for now? 10 years. Awesome. 10 years, yeah. It's amazing. And I love, it is a really important lesson in that of finding an organization that you align with their values. 100%. I think... Maybe this is like a hindsight or being older or and maybe you're saying that because you're in HR, but I, 
I think unless you understand what is important to the company and they understand what's important to themselves, it's bound to not be successful because you just, you don't know how you can be successful there. You don't know what's driving the decisions. You don't know how you can move forward and, you know, whether you're looking for yourself or your team. And so I am full on with the values recognition. I, speaking of values, one of the things we talk a lot about on the show is knowing your own values. And because when we make career decisions, we often make decisions based on like external things. So, oh, how much is that role paying? Or what does the job description look like? But I think it's really important as uh, individuals that we know, who am I and what do I value? Like what are those deep beliefs that I hold? And therefore, how do I find an organisation that matches? Mm -hmm. I'd love to know, what are your values? Mm. Um. This is a this is a good one. I think at base, I value um, authenticity, and I know that's a big word, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, everyone authenticity. But I do think with me, sort of like what you get is what I am. Like what you are looking at is exactly who I'm going to be, you know, tomorrow, and then when I get on the plane, and when I go and see my see my son. Um, so I think that that is an important thing. And when you're talking about, you know, you were saying like that, I like the word that you use, like deep down, like I do think that's part of it. Like who is your best self and be authentic to that because you will be most, um, successful in that way, regardless of what success means. So that's one, um, two, uh, positivity. I think that aside from the fact that there's a lot of negative in the world, um, all the research shows and my experience shows that when you are positive, when you fill tanks, right, everyone has an emotional fuel tank. And if you're having a crappy day, I can't do anything about it. But when you leave my company, I hope that your tank is a little bit higher. And how can we infuse people with that? Um, and those are two things that I really, really value. I'm sure there's more in there. But when I think about, when I think about like, what, what do I value? Those are, those are two that stick out. I know Brene Brown talks about only having two. Oh, good. So good. she says, Woo. so you've ticked her, you know, check that off because she talks about, well, we can't remember heaps, but for our personal values, you should have, you should have two. Mm. For me, mine, um, when I did the Brene Brown um, kind of in her Dare to Lead book, she helps you to narrow it down. Mine came out as authenticity as oh, well good. and fun. Look at we're supposed to be friends. Oh, we totally are. And I think we're having fun. So, And also I bought snacks, which I did, did tell Anna. So we've got snacks here because when you're in Newcastle in my hometown, you do need to eat Uprising's beautiful baked deliciousness. So they're here for afterwards. I smelled them on my run. I was down along oh. the water and I kept like, I had my wallet yeah. on my phone. I kept like looking in to figure out where, yes, <laughs> where was this. It would this? float all the way down the harbour, their delicious bread. And sourdough. I mean, my legs were going to fall off, so I couldn't go searching for it anymore. But I was like, "There's, there is, there are baked goods here." Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, sorry, segue, but just need to be said. I'm excited already. <laughs> yeah, we're like, let's wrap this up. Let's eat the cakes. Um, so, you've had this career. You've you've done professional football with Chelsea Ladies. You then came to Atlassian and. And you've found your own not, not-for-profit. There's so many big decisions that you've made. What has helped you make those calls or take some of those risks? Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of things, right? First, I think it's being okay with a zigzaggy path. I look at many of my friends who have chosen one career path and they are crushing it. I look at them, I go to reunions, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And it's because they've done that same thing and they should be amazing and they are amazing. Um, and I can be amazing in that zigzag way. But I, I, so I think that that's part of it. And so then you jump back and say, okay, so what enables that? What are some of the things that enable that? Uh, and, and one of the things that really sticks out when I reflect upon this is saying yes. I think oftentimes you go to these 
these conversations and you hear uh, women in particular saying, you need to say, figure out when to say no. You need to be able to you know, control your space and say no. And people are going to ask you to do certain things. And my, at least my experience has been like, say yes. Like there, there are so many doors to be open unless it's something that you like really don't want to do or it's too crazy or doesn't, you know, there's very few things where I wouldn't say yes because the, the journey is amazing. Have you ever said yes to something that's absolutely freaked you out beyond belief? <laughs> yeah, I studied in Bolivia. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to study the Jesuit mission circuit. But to go and do that, you had to take this bus. I mean, this was before cell phones. So, you know, put yourself in that space. Um, if you can. <laughs> if you <laughs> can even imagine. <laughs> my, my, my son can't. He's like, what? I don't like Terrifying. Like, the, the, what? I don't, he, couldn't, he can't grasp it. <laughs> But anyways, to do that, you had to take this bus into the middle of the virgin forest and, uh, you know, people are packed on there. You're kind of standing. There's like chickens on the top and just like going in there. And I said, I'm going to go do this. Like, I, I want to do this. I want to study this. And I got on that bus. I think I passed out on the bus. I found myself like woken up on the bus. Someone had given me a seat. But eventually I made it to this town. And because I went in there, I was able to, um, I talked to that, the, the head architect that was just declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Wow. And I was like, hey, I would love to work with you and write this paper. And he's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. I, I, like, this took me a day to get here. Like, I've told everyone this is what I'm going to write my, my thesis on. Uh, and he's like, no, thanks. And so I came back the next day. I was like, I'm going I'm to convince this guy to my earlier point of like, I'm going to, we're going to win. Yeah. Um, I was, and so I convinced his wife to convince him and we went that path and kudos to her and Hans Roth and I worked together and it, um, you know, it was published with part of the UNESCO site. Um, it was in Lonely Planet Travel Guides, like all the, the work. And it was because no one else had sort of gone on that journey. All the academic research I had done was used in a whole bunch of places. So it was pretty exciting. Uh, but like when I look back at it now, I'm like, that was, a, why would you do that? I, I would not do that now. My, my adult self, I mean, I was adult then, but my younger self is much more courageous. I, there's, there's two things in that story that I love. I love your encouragement to us to say yes mm -hmm. to things and say yes to things that scare us sometimes. I think for many of us who have experienced imposter syndrome, that can hold us back from, from taking those steps. And I love in there that there's the persistence. Like I can see in you this kind of like, you know, this tenacious thing of like, no, 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 we're getting this done. Like we're making this, <laughs> this happen. This is happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I literally fainted on a bus yesterday. So we will, we will be doing this. I am part of this. <laughs> I love it. There's so much we can take away for that, from that in our own careers. Now we'll move through for our last couple of questions. I'd love to um, pick your brains on some of, I, I suppose they're kind of rapid fire, but you know what? I don't mind if you take more time on it because, you know, I'm a verbal processor and I love to hear the depths of people's uh, learnings. So this last question is, oh, sorry, last couple of- You're assuming I have depths of learning, so <laughs> fingers crossed. Maybe we just keep it rapid fire. <laughs> Up to you. Choose your own adventure. So what is the best or worst career advice you've ever received? I received advice when I was at Enron. Um, I, I wasn't liking it and I wanted to, I applied for and was accepted to do Teach for America, which is you go into the urban centers and you teach. And I was going to leave sort of the finance. I was in mergers and acquisitions. Um, and my boss put her feet up on the desk, um, like very Texas, um, all the things that you would imagine Texas. And she leaned back in her chair and was like, listen, there's two types of people, like either people who make money and give it away or people who go and like ask for money. You're a maker money and give it away. And I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't know about that. And to me, that's that, 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 that either or model. 
And, you know, it's that I stayed at Enron, not because of, of that, but because I saw, you know, there's this great opportunity to go over to London, play all that, and also some really interesting work to do there. And I think that the takeaway from that is the bad advice side of it would be that there's an either or. The flip side of it, which I, again, to choose to think in the positive, is that there's always an and. There's always an and. And find the and. Find the and. Oh, I just, lo- I just love that. I feel like there's, oh my goodness. I'm even thinking about this whole idea of working from wherever. Yeah. And w- when we think about that concept, it's like, well, you either work from the office or you work remote and there's no in between, but what we're, what you're creating it. I'm like, what we're creating at Atlassian, I, uh, just so you know, I'm not employed at Atlassian. Yet. <laughs> yet. yet. I yet. have her in the van. So <laughs> we're in the one van. First step is Hopefully. done. Um, what you're creating is this sense of and. We are very much an and company. We, you know, we make hard choices, but where we can be inclusive, where we can find um, new ways to to uh, bring people on board or to bring ideas on board, we are we're in that boat oh, or van, awesome. as it were. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hopefully, the boat will be in the Atlantic Ocean at some point, and we can tick twenty twenty four cruise. Yeah, cruise. We should talk about that. Oh yeah, cruise would be good. Next one. All right. What has been your biggest fail at work? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, let me think. I want to give you a good one. When sometimes I push really hard to have things done quickly and it's, it's more of like a learning. I have to keep learning this over and over again, but I think there, there is an opportunity to um, pause and to learn from others about what could or should be done. And so I'm, I'm trying to think like, a, like we have, a, this happens all the time, uh, but I'm getting better over my, my 10 years of Atlassian. But, you know, we're trying to roll out a new um, policy, let's say, or a new effort. Um, like, let's say we started our office in Austin many years ago. And what does that look like? What is the messaging that goes out to Atlassian uh, and Atlassians saying, oh, we're starting this new office? How do we not spin it in a way that makes sense to people, but how do we help them understand the journey that we're going on and why we're why that's happening? And I think as we, we did that one well, but there's other ones where... I learned to do that better. And so by the time we get to Team Anywhere uh, and announcing that to the company, I think being able to understand that and go on that change journey is a lesson that I've learned. I mean, I, I, it's all these micro moments of explaining. So I'm trying to come up with one. I'm sure I did one this morning because, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to go quick and you're like, oh, let me just type this quick thing. And sometimes quick is okay because you get it out. But understanding to our very our conversation earlier, like what is the what is the person behind this and how are they going to read this? How are they going to digest this? And how can I make this better for them? Am I taking the, the two seconds to do it? So I think the fail, um, and it still happens, the fail is not taking the two seconds mm. to make sure it's going, uh, it's, it's positioned so the person who's reading it can digest it. And I love what you say as well around those micro, there's sometimes in your career, there's micro learnings or micro fails. When you kind of put it together, you can, you can gather a theme and you're like, my theme is that, Sometimes I might push too hard and leave people behind. Or the theme is and is that for me it would be um, speaking before thinking. <laughs> like, and that happens, you know, multiple times every hour. But how do you figure out in your own career when you look for those micro examples, you're reflective. You're not ruminating, but you're reflective enough mm-hmm. to look back and go, I'm learning, I'm growing, and I know that this theme is still here, but I'm, I'm actually better than I was a year ago two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's so true. And I think part of it is just awareness and knowing that you're doing that. Yes. And then 
calling yourself out when you do it and be like, oh man, what was the result of that? You know, we call them retro retrospectives at Atlassian. And oftentimes if you look at a retrospective, you, you know, let's say we, we do this podcast and we say, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What would we do next? And we, we take an hour going through it. But there's also a mini retrospective that we can do. You know, we'll turn off our mic stands and be like, how was that for you? And you'll be like, I love this. And then, uh, but the, you know, this part seemed weird, but we worked through it, you know, and then we have that feedback and we can make that change next time. And so that, that mini retro is something that I've found really helpful and you can do it with someone else. You can hold someone else accountable to say, you know, just like keep an eye out. If you feel like I'm moving too fast, let me know. Yeah. Um, and you did actually did that before we had that moment beforehand of, oh, wait, can we get feedback? Anna, who's from comms, who's with us sitting in the van, stoked to have you here. But having those moments where you, you call someone in and, and say, hey, can you also speak into this? Like inviting mm-hmm. the feedback before you do something is such a powerful way to learn and grow. And, and being open to being called out. Yeah. Right, to have the relationship, again, to the relationship piece, where when Anna or you say like, Molly, way too fast, slow that down. I'm not taking it personally. It's because you want me to be better. You want our listeners to understand yeah. what I'm saying. So, and um, you've invited that. Like, it's it's such a beautiful way to get those learnings. It, yes, and I think it's an openness to growth, right? If we were to go all back to like, how do you bucket those micro pieces? It's do you want to grow? Wow. And and if you don't, like, cool, but recognize it's, you're going to keep making that same mistake. Yeah, and it's going to hold you back. Probably. So, last question. I'd love to know. What do you wish you knew in your early 20s that you've learned now? So if you were to look back, and I suppose for our listeners, especially uh, some of our listeners who are in the early part of their career, what do you wish you knew in your 20s? I think there is this, um, this feeling like you have to have it all figured out. Um, I used to lead college, my college job, I had two college jobs, but one was leading tours for admissions. And you'd get these these kids at university, I think is what you call it, but you get these these people on the tour and they would feel like this decision is making or breaking my life. And, you know, the further you'd get away from admissions office, they'd be saying, oh, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about it. And it was one of those like, it's okay if you choose here and it doesn't work out, like you can change. And I think that's just a common theme in life and that you feel like you have to have it all figured out. And you look around at your friends and say, like, oh, she totally has it figured out. Where she she or he is probably being like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and so having that awareness that, um, that it's okay if you don't have it figured out and then having the confidence to say, but I can figure it out and building a support network of people who are going to help you figure it out. And so I think those are the pieces that I had to do along the way. And I wish that I would have known like, Hey, you're going to do these things and it's going to be okay. Oh, That is such a beautiful place to land this conversation. So if you are listening and you feel like you don't have it all figured out, know and trust your ability to learn it as you go. Oh, Molly, this has been so good. I would love to do this conversation again and dig into more of your career. There's so much in this and... I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, it was a pleasure. You brought such good energy. Oh, good. Um, so thank you for, for mirroring that. I can't wait to dig into these suites, yeah. uh, but pleasure to meet you and really excited about all the work you're doing as well. Beautiful. And one more thing is how do people find out about Atlassian and the roles that are going, the 1,000 plus, how many? 1,032. 1,032. Wow. Yeah. It's a big, big number. Big number. So if you're on the prowl for a new gig. We got it. Oh, Come yeah. Come find us uh, at Lassie Van. So if you take it Lassian and put a V right in there where it sounds like a van at the end, uh, .com and you'll find us or at Lassian 
Com. Uh, it's up there. It's on the website. I know that we're on social media. All the things. All the um, things. We'll put it in the show notes too. So you can grab the link. And if you enjoyed this episode, as always, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. Thanks for hanging out. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.